You are listening to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Sevierville, where our mission is helping people move from their point of need to hope in Christ. For more information about our church, head on over to severe.church. Today's sermon, Exhort One Another, is part five in the series Community, shared by Senior Pastor Dan Spencer. Thanks to Corwin. Thanks, uh, Brother Buddy for uh, being here speaking on behalf of the Gideons today. You'll have an opportunity to give to purchase Bibles as you leave today and uh, more about that in a little while. At this time, it's my privilege and my uh, joy to open up God's Word with you. I'm going to ask you to find Hebrews chapter 3, the book of Hebrews and chapter 3. All month long, we've been talking about community and what that means in the life of a Christian. Uh, The fact is that God never intended for you to live the Christian life in isolation all by yourself. Rather, God has designed it so that we live the Christian life in community with one another. In fact, God's design for that is that we would live out our faith in Christ Uh, in a a situation where we are surrounded by uh, loving relationships from our brothers and sisters in Christ. And as we endeavor to provide that for other people, they provide it for us, and we all end up loved, supported, belonging together in the family of God. Now, if, if you hear that and you think, you know, that's something I need in my life, but I don't feel like I have it right now. Uh, You need to know the secret of community. And the secret of community is this. God has given us the building blocks of that kind of community in our lives to to make sure that we are surrounded by those that network of brothers and sisters in Christ that love us and support us and pray for us. And uh, those building blocks are what we call the one another's of the New Testament. There are 59 commands in the New Testament that are addressed to one another. These are things we do for our brothers and sisters in Christ to ensure that we're all loved and supported. And here's the secret of community. If if you are intentional about doing those things to the people God puts in your life, then you're going to find yourself not only supporting others, you're going to find yourself supported by others so that you're going to be able to thrive and grow and be stronger and live up to your potential in Christ. And I want that for you. I know that I need it and, uh, and you do as well. So we're talking about these one another's this month. I'm going to, in fact, extend this into next month for a few weeks. And uh, today we're talking about exhort one another. This month we've looked at Love one another, serve one another, bear with one another, show hospitality to one another. Last week, today, exhort one another. Uh, If you're not familiar with that word, we're going to read about it and talk about it today. It's very important that we do this. I need it from you, and you need it from me. And so let's go to Hebrews 3, verse 12. And this is a warning. We're kind of jumping in the middle of chapter 3. Verse 12 is a warning, and uh, it really sets up this one another, that we exhort one another. Verse 12 says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief 
and departing from the living God. Now, here's what he's talking about. This was written, we're not sure who wrote it, but it was written to Jewish background or Hebrew Christians who were being tempted to sort of go back on their commitment to Christ and the pure gospel of the cross of Christ. Uh, They were being tempted to go back to the rituals and the requirements of the Jewish religion. And the reason I think many of them were tempted to do that is that uh, when they had turned to Christ and they were baptized, they had been deserted by their family and their friends. They were just disowned. And many of them were then branded as heretics and members of a false religion. And for some of these Jewish background believers, the changes that came with their new faith in Christ were pretty disorienting because in Christianity, there there was no temple to go to. There were no sacrifices to make. There was no priest to intercede for you. There were no more kosher laws or Sabbath laws or circumcision laws. Many of the traditions that they grew up in were gone. And the reason was because all of those things had been fulfilled by the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is our great high priest. We don't need any other. Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. There's no more need for a sacrifice to be made. Jesus is our Sabbath rest forever. Jesus has made us the temple of the Holy Spirit in this world. There's no need for all those other things. Now that Jesus has fulfilled all of that, Jesus is all you need and he is enough. But many of these Hebrew Christians were being tempted to return to their familiar traditions and religious practices, and they were being persuaded by a group of people called the Judaizers, who were were, uh, teaching that, yeah, Christianity is just really an improvement and an advancement of the Jewish religion, and yeah, Jesus is great, but He's not enough for salvation on his own. You also need to keep these Jewish laws and these Jewish requirements, even if you're not Jewish by birth. And so many of these people were were tempted to abandon the pure gospel of Christ and follow these false teachers into legalism and error. It was a bad scene. And so the book of Hebrews is an open letter written to tell them, hey, Jesus is enough. You don't need all those other things. Jesus is better than all of those requirements. And the promises of the gospel are better than the promises of some religious tradition. And so no wonder the writer says in verse 12 to them, Hey, beware, lest there be in you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And that just sets up what he says then in verse 13. Listen for the one another in verse 13. He says, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. So verse 13, he says, exhort one another. Now for those 
who first heard this message, uh, holding each other accountable, propping one another up, having one another's backs, this was going to help them to keep the faith and not backslide into some other tradition. And by the miracle of Scripture, it has the same effect for us. Even though we don't face the same issue, it has the same effect for us that we need to watch out for each other. We need to speak to one another in such a way that we're going to defend each other against going in the wrong direction. So uh, what does it mean to exhort? If we are to exhort one another, what does that mean? Well, the word exhort means simply to come alongside somebody to give them help. To come alongside to give them help. Specifically here, it means to help somebody by coming alongside them and saying something or telling them something that you're going to urge them to believe or, or you're going to motivate them to do so that they can live up to their potential in Christ. Uh, so to exhort means to come alongside a brother or sister in Christ and speak up in a way that's going to help them overcome an issue or defeat a lie or have more faith. And so we all need this. Now, some Bible translations use the word encourage there instead of exhort. And encouragement is awesome. We all need encouragement. Uh, but I like the word exhort better, even though it's a word that we rarely use. And, and here's why. Let me give you the difference. Many times when we think of encouraging somebody, uh, we're, we're thinking about telling someone, hey, it's going to be all right. But exhorting sometimes means saying, you've got it all wrong. Now, I want to come along beside you and walk with you a while and help you to do it right. See the difference? Uh, encouragement will say, hey, I understand what you're going through. But exhorting often says, I understand enough about what you're going through to know that you've got a horrible attitude and you're handling it poorly. Here's what I want to do. I want to come beside you and pray with you about how you can fix it. And I want to walk with you and help you do that. That's exhorting. Encouraging can mean uh, saying, cheer up, sister. But exhorting sometimes says, repent, sister. To encourage sometimes just means to smile and put your hand on somebody's shoulder and say, hey, I'm here for you. Uh, but exhorting means putting your hand on their shoulder, smiling, saying, I'm here for you. And in the other hand, you're holding a Bible that's open to a, a verse or a passage of Scripture that they need to hear if they're going to get right with God. That's the difference. So exhorting. Let me give you a, a, an example of this that I will never forget. It's the most memorable time I've ever been exhorted. Okay? The first pastor I worked under is a guy named Tim Dietrich uh, at a, a church in St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, years after I had worked with him, we maintained a relationship and, and uh, talked all the time. He was one of the most encouraging people ever in my life. 
He, he helped me when I was ignorant and green and I didn't know how to do anything. And he's always been very encouraging. One time, uh, after I'd began, uh, begun pastoring a church in Georgia, some people had been saying some nasty things and uh, somebody left and somebody did something to hurt my feelings. And, and so I was just down. I was discouraged. And so I did what I often did. I called Tim. And I, I just unloaded. I said, man, here's what's going on. This person said this. This guy walked away. And, and I just unloaded on him. And then there was dead silence on the phone. And I said, hello? He said, are you done? I said, I mean, yeah, I'm done. That's what I wanted to tell you. Do you have any advice or encouragement? He said, yeah, I've got some advice for you. Man, you need to get a hold of yourself. What's wrong with you? I said, what are you talking about? He said, when you signed up to follow Jesus, did he not say to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me? Did he promise you everything is going to go your way all the time and everybody's going to think you're awesome? No. So here's what you need to do. You need to get by yourself and you need to get a grip and you need to get over this and get on serving God. This is what you signed up for. And then he hung up. He hung up on me. And I went home and I, I told Teresa, hey, I called Tim to encourage me. And here's what he said. And she said, well, he's not wrong. <laughs> the next day he called me. He said, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm okay. And I needed what you said. I needed that. Thank you for setting me straight. That's exhorting. Now, we're all called to exhort one another, right? Hebrews 3.13, exhort one another daily. A person who exhorts is called an exhorter. And so here's what I want to do for the rest of our time. I want to give you some essentials for exhorters. And there are three of them. Number one, it's essential if you're going to exhort one another that you have close relationships. It requires close relationships. Verse 12 says exhorting is for brethren. There's a relationship there. Now, I didn't intend the progression of this sermon series to go like it has, but I think the Lord did. That before we talk about exhorting one another, we've already talked about loving one another, serving one another, bearing with one another. And if you're purposeful about doing those things with another person, then the stage is set in that relationship for you to say what needs to be said, whether it's positive or it's negative, and it's more likely to be received. If you have already built that relationship. So exhorting is not about running around telling everybody off. Exhorting is not about pointing out the sins of people you barely know. Exhorting is something that can happen best in the context of concern and trust and mutual respect after you've invested in somebody's life. And, and exhorting is not about treating people like projects. It's born out of a heart of love that says, look, I want you to be all you can be in Christ. I want you to live up to your potential. I'm here 
to help. So it requires close relationships. Second, uh, it's essential that uh, we give timely words. This is a one another that can only happen when you say something or text something or write something. Timely words. And I say timely because there's an urgency built into this passage of Scripture. Uh, There's a time stamp on it in verse 13. In verse 13, it says, Exhort one another daily while it is called today. Now, why does it say today? Do it today, daily. Uh, I think because there are new challenges that we face every day. And we're tempted to sin in different ways every day. And the pull of the world away from God is, is, is something that continues daily. And because it seems that Satan attacks us daily, and so we need to do it today. The idea is if you're going to exhort somebody, you can't procrastinate. This text says, say it today. You have to be ready to say something when you see the need without putting it off. Now, there are four main ways that you can use your words to exhort a brother or sister in Christ. Let me run through those. First of all, uh, you can use words of Scripture that carry power and authority. In fact, I think this is the best way to do it. Words of Scripture that carry power and authority. In fact, this is built right into this passage of Scripture. When you get to verse 12, the writer of Hebrews has already quoted a large section of Psalm 95 just before that. And then following it in verse 15, he he repeats one of the quotations from Psalm 95. And so sandwiched in between Scripture is his exhortation for these Hebrew believers. That's a great example for us. Because you may say, you know, I'm not that great with words. I never know what to say. I'm not really good at giving advice to somebody else. I don't know where to start or how to bring it up. Well, what you can always do and know you're doing well is to give that person who's struggling or that person who's out of line or that person who's down, give them a verse of scripture that applies to their situation. Because you know when you do that, that it's true and it's right. And it carries a power and an authority that your own thoughts do not carry. In the next chapter, Hebrews 4.12, the Bible says the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Listen, if you, can, if you can bring the Word of God to somebody and it's just what they need to hear, God's Word is going to go to work and it carries the power to change lives. It carries the authority of the Word of God. And so think about this. A quick text, a DM, a call, an in-person visit to share a verse of Scripture that has helped you and you say, I think this can help you, can can go to work in the life of a brother or sister in Christ to help their faith to be strengthened. And by sharing a verse of Scripture, you can help that person to raise the shield of their faith, to to, uh, defend against the attacks of our enemy in a daily battle that we face. Uh, And even if things are going well for somebody in your life, the timely encouragement 
of another Christian can make a big difference when it carries the power of the Word of God, right? Another way you can use your words to exhort somebody is by sharing words of truth that dismantle lies. This is what the Hebrew Christians were battling. Verse 12 says, beware, brethren, watch out, be careful. Verse 13 talks about the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is deceiving. Satan lies to us. The world will lie to you. And uh, so in the book of Hebrews, he's saying, look, the lies you're being told are going to end up wrecking your faith if you don't fight them and replace it with the truth. And so sometimes exhorting one another means saying, hey, you know I love you, but I got to tell you that what you are believing is not true. I want to share the truth with you. Sometimes exhorting means saying, hey, the assumption that you're basing your actions on is totally false. Let me go back and I want to show you how this is a lie, and that's why it's messing up your life. Uh, so we help people when we exhort by coming alongside them to dismantle lies, replace them with truth. Another way you can use your words to exhort someone is uh, using words of warning that stop drifting. Here's why I say that. In the previous chapter, chapter 2, verse 1, uh, we find a, a, a problem, the problem of drifting away from the gospel of Christ. So it says, therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. So this is a reality. It's a danger. We're all susceptible to drifting away in our faith and into sin. So the idea with exhorting one another is, look, if you see me drifting away from fellowship with other Christians or with you, then I need you to call me out on it and say, stop it. Come back. If you see me drifting into worldliness or drifting into sin or drifting into some kind of error or misunderstanding, the idea of exhorting is you come after me and stop me and say, what are you doing? Look, 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 where you're, look around you. You're not in a good place here. And where you're headed is going to lead you into trouble. Let me come alongside you and help you find your way back to where you started. And let's get close to Jesus together. That's exhorting. We all need that when we're being stubborn. We all need that when, when we're being selfish and, and thinking only of our own problems. When we're whining and complaining, we need somebody to say, look, you're going to a bad place, a dark place. Stop and come back with me. Finally, uh, you can use your words by simply giving words of encouragement that build somebody else's faith. The way that works is you see a brother or sister struggling or weak or drifting. You ought to be there coming alongside them with a word of encouragement. Uh, you may not know exactly what to say, but just showing up and being there is a good start. You can just show up and say, hey, I'm not sure exactly what to say, but I want you to know I'm here for you. And you're not in this alone. And I want you to know 
I've got your back. Or simply, let me pray for you. And then just pray for them out loud. You never know what God will do with your encouragement when you just speak up and give it. Question, what would it be like in your circle of friends, in our church, if we all decided, hey, I'm going to focus on exhorting one another daily. I'm going to be consistent about it and make sure everybody around me has all the encouragement they need. They've got all the support they need, even if it means awkward conversations from time to time. I'm going to be there and I'm going to help. By the way, Jesus Christ is the perfect example of how to do this, isn't he? Uh, I think of uh, Jesus with uh, giving words of Scripture, words of truth, words of encouragement, words of warning. Uh, he did all of that with one of his disciples named Simon Peter. I was thinking about that this week, that uh, the way that Jesus dealt with Simon Peter, sometimes he exhorted him by saying, Peter, I have prayed for you. Satan desires to have his way with you, but I've prayed for you. Other times, Jesus exhorted Peter by saying, get behind me, Satan. Other times it was, Peter, do you love me or not? If you love me, feed my sheep. Uh, So Jesus is our example for doing this. Hey, one more thing, and let let me land it with this. Uh, A real essential element for being an exhorter is the idea of giving and receiving. Think about it this way. When the Bible says exhort one another, that goes both ways, doesn't it? And so I know that some of us hear this and say, finally, I get to tell somebody off in Jesus' name. But, but what exhorting means is that I'm just as eager to receive that from you as I am to give it to you. Because I know I need it. And I know there are days when I'm weak, and I know there are times when I'm starting to drift, and I know that there are times when I have a a horrible, ungodly attitude, and I need somebody to call me out on that. And so exhorting is giving it and receiving it. It's being willing to receive an exhortation, even when it's something that's hard to hear. So uh, let me be your exhorter today, okay? Can I exhort you for just a minute? There's somebody in your circle, somebody that God's put in your life that needs you to speak up. You haven't been speaking up. Speak up. They need your encouragement. They, somebody may need you just to put, put your arm around them and, and pray out loud for them. It could be that there's somebody in your circle of friends who's drifting. And you could be the one to just pull up beside them and say, hey, what you're doing is not right. I'm here to help you. I want to walk with you so you don't have to do it alone. And exhort that person. You can make a huge difference in somebody's life. Isn't it amazing how God uses us to do that for each other? I'm so glad for the people in my life who have done that for me. And we all need to do it for one another. You can be an exhorter. You can be an exhorter.
Hey, let's stand together. And uh, we need to have a time of prayer and just thank the Lord for exhorting us from his word today and go to him in prayer and commit it to him. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to just be wise, to speak the truth in love to one another, to maintain that balance of saying what needs to be said and doing it in the right way at the right time. Lord, I I can't speak for anybody else in the room, but I know for me, even while I was saying that, I was thinking of somebody that needs my encouragement and they need a conversation. God, lead me to the right time to do it. And I pray you'd give me the right words to say. Help us all to be exhorters. We thank you for how you've exhorted us from Scripture today to take care of each other. And Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here in this room or watching us online who has never before come to terms with the gospel, that we are sinners in need of a Savior and our only hope is Jesus. Lord, if there's someone here who's never made that decision before, I pray today will be the day that everything changes as they just turn to Jesus and turn away from sin and place their faith in Jesus. We pray that you would guide this time now of responding to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and share. And if you want a pastor to follow up with you regarding today's message, reach out to us at severe.church slash follow up. Thanks again for joining us on the First Baptist Church Severeville podcast.